I know you're doing a lot of theme on Encounter, uh, uh, and so I want to talk, uh, going to get into a little bit about Moses and his encounter with God. Uh, we've already heard about Moses this morning a little bit, and, uh, but, but just before I do, just I, I love this theme of Encounter, Encountering God. Because somewhere, and somewhere down the list of, uh, in the church, unfortunately, somewhere, uh, that it's, because, it's down the list of our priorities a little bit, encounter. Uh, but God really wants to encounter us. It's, it's never stopped being about encounter for God. It's never stopped being about encounter. Um, we had a, 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 an example of this just uh, that really spoke to me um, in our own church about a year ago, a guy called uh, uh, Stephen came to our church. I was, I, I was like, I was speaking that morning. I was speaking about family and how God wants to uh, meet with us as, 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 as his family and how we need to uh, know that we're rescued by God, but how we need to rescue one another, pull each other out of fires, love one another into who God's creating us, all of that. And this guy came up to us at the end and he was just really, really disturbed looking. He said, I've, I've never had that. I've, I've never had anybody do that for me. I've been married eight or nine months. I've never known. And, and it's caused me all sorts of problems in my marriage. You don't know how to feel love. I was moved around children's homes when I was young. Dad gave me up. All this kind of stuff. Uh, pretty intense. He says, I feel like depressed. I feel like I need... He was, he was using all these terms. It was like freaking me out a little bit. He's like, I need delivered. I need all this kind of stuff. And like, well, I believe in all that stuff. It just was like, you know, whoa, this guy really, really needs help and really wants help. And I'm not really sure, you know, I know what to do because uh, this guy is so desperate. Uh, but anyway, we, uh, and then he started to complain about a pain the whole way down his left-hand side. He said he woke up in the middle of the night, could, felt like a sharp pain in his shoulder, right down his whole left leg, waking up kind of crying out in pain in the middle of the night and all of that was going on and so we started to we said can we can we pray for you you've been coming to church for quite uh, not not our particular church but you've been going to church for quite a while sort of flirted with faith probably the best way to do it and uh, and so we started to pray for him i started to pray my uncle phil who helps uh, lead the church with me he, he he came and we started to pray and you know, just if there was anything needed dealt with or bound or whatever, we were open to that and asked the Holy Spirit to come and lead us as we prayed. And then, and then Phil just said to him, "You know, I, I just uh, have a sense, Stephen, that you know, today you, um, I just, I'm a father, and I'm a father in this house. I'm a father of five children." He said, "And, and I feel like you, I just want to apologize to you for, on on behalf of fatherhood, <laughs> for never." being loved by a father because you're worthy of that love and this big strapping lad about the same size as me I'm pretty big and strapping aren't I <laughs> he, uh, he, uh, he he just broke in the middle and started to weep and Phil says if, if you don't mind it's okay if I, sh- if it's okay if I show you that and, and it, just a bit of an embrace and, and, and Phil just put his arms around this guy and he just wept and he wept and he wept and he wept and he wept as he just received something that he never received in his life. And then he, uh, he came out of the embrace after a while and he stood back. And as he stood back, I've never seen this before, he stood back and he just threw his shoulders back like this. And as he threw his shoulders back, I just heard, he heard a click. I heard a click. And he just went like that. And he went like this. And he went like this. And he started to move around like this. He said, I couldn't do this this morning. I, I could, actually couldn't move this morning. My, my whole left side was in pain. And I thought, wow. He says, and I said to him, you know, so you, didn't need, you didn't need delivered. You just needed 
You just need to know the love of God. Just bound up with pain. Bound up with a pain and a grief in his heart. That the father in that moment, as he encountered his son, just came and, and set him free. And then I said to him, Afterwards, trying to get him tied into a few things in church, and I said, "Along, when was it? When did you? When did you come to faith? When did you come to Jesus? When?" He says, "I said, I when? When? I think I just did there now, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had actually encouraged him to pray as well, which he had done, because he had confessed, you know, he confessed a lot of unforgiveness in his heart and all of that. But I just thought, you know, is not maybe just the way it's supposed to be? Somebody gets saved, healed, delivered, set free in a moment when the Father." encounters his children and uh, and I just wonder is that not, is that not the way it's supposed to sort of be <laughs> when God shows up stuff happens but unfortunately sometimes in the church um, what's happened is we're not really actually sure what to do when God shows up I think it was uh, was it Wimber or somebody like that he said well, what would what, what, you know if the Holy Spirit was removed from our churches this Sunday would, would any of us notice and it's a, it's a kind of big question, a big challenge, and we've sometimes got a little bit unfamiliar or scared of a good father who wants to show up and meet with his children and touch them in the deepest parts of their beings, change and transform them, heal their wounds, soothe their griefs, and release them into his destiny for their lives. And uh, so I think this is a great theme, encounter, because it's always been the heart of the God story. It's the trajectory that goes right through the story. It's the principle of encounter. It's the principle of presence. God walking with man in cool of the day, just enjoying his creation. God saying when he built the tabernacle, I want to come down and dwell amongst you. It's not enough, God says, for me just to shout down from heaven. I want to come and dwell amongst you, even though you've broken my heart and turned away from me. I've delivered you from Egypt. I've brought you into the wilderness, and I want to dwell amongst you. I'm going to want you to create this big tent, and I'm going to come, and there's going to be a place, the Holy of Holies. I'm going to teach you about my presence, because I want to be with you. And, and, and they do that for a while and then they lose that a bit and then, and then God communicates his heart through the prophets. I want to, I want to be with you. It's, 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 it's mercy, not just sacrifice. That I, want. I want to connect. I want to connect with your heart. And then in the incarnation we see Jesus who comes. God saying the word becomes flesh and dwelt or tabernacled amongst us. God becoming human flesh in the person of Jesus, his presence, because he wants to encounter us. And then Paul saying to us in the New Testament after Jesus' death and resurrection and goes to heaven, the Holy Spirit's poured out and we become the locus of the presence of God on the earth. You are temples, tabernacles of God. And the way that God wants the world to know that he wants to encounter them now is through us. His tabernacles, the ones in which his Holy Spirit lives in. And so right throughout the story, right in the very nature of God himself, God is a God of encounter, three in one, mutually sharing love and relationship with one another, a free-flowing communion of love and joy and delight, just describing worth to one another and Father, Son and Holy Spirit. God is a God of encounter. And, uh, and let's bring that back right into the very middle of who we are. Every time, there's, there's no excuse really when Christians get together that there's not an experience or an, a sense of encounter because we're carrying the very God who lives within us, the God of encounter, the God who is relationship in very essence, in the very uh, heart of who he is. He wants to connect with who we are. And, um, and so I just want to encourage you to lean into that. And so that being said, I want to just drill down today into one particular story of an incredible sense of encounter in the Bible. It's the most, Exodus 32, 33, 34, these, these chapters are just 
mind-blowing. I never get tired of reading them when Moses meets with Yahweh. And uh, this profound thing happens. It shows us who the heart of God is. I, I want to read a few verses. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to Exodus chapter 3. I'm just going to dip in and out a bit of this. If you've got a Bible or you've got a phone or app or something, just, uh, just don't play Angry Birds. The Lord might get you. <laughs> Only joking. Only joking. Just let me try and piece it to where, up to where we're going to read. We, we, most of us probably know the story. God has delivered the people out of Egypt. Moses uh, is their leader. God gives him the Ten Commandments. He's up the mountain. He has these 40 days, incredible encounter with God. And then God says, and God realizes, because Moses has been away, the people get a bit bored and uh, the, the worship make this golden calf. Moses comes down and this is just, I think it's one of the funniest parts of the Bible. God says to, or Moses says to Aaron, what did you do? And he says, well, we just put all the gold in and the calf popped out sort of thing, you know. And this golden calf is, is created and the people are worshiping and God's heart is broken and God's angry and, and, and uh, grieved uh, with, with his people. And so God basically says to Moses, Moses, I'm going to start again. These people have broken my heart so much. After all I've done and all their whinging and whining and all of that in the wilderness, they've broken my heart and going to make a great nation out of you, Moses. And Moses is this incredible leader, he says, but no, God, take, take, take me, don't take, take them. <laughs> and you see something about the heart of this incredible leader, Moses. And, and then God says this, and, and then we're, we've, got this, <laughs> we've got this wonderful verse in the Bible that, you know, divides us theologically, and all, all, all the, all the hyper-Calvinists gasp in horror at this verse where we hear God relented and changed his mind and said, I won't. <laughs> we'll not totally get into all of that this morning. But, <laughs> but suffice to say this, suffice to say this, that we do have to relinquish. I think what they, wherever you stand and theologically in that, right, what we do have to relinquish is God reveals himself here to us, not as a mechanistic, transactional, aloof, being. He reveals himself here to us as a father who's deeply affected by the cries of his children. Incredibly affected. And whether you believe God can change his mind or not, what you have to come to a conclusion is God is affected deeply when his children cry out to him, particularly on behalf of those who still don't know him. And God's heart is affected here by Moses as he cries out to God who at this point in time has been revealed as we have, try, try and put yourself into the story. Now, we haven't, seen, we haven't seen Jesus yet in the story, if you like, you know, so far. They, they're still trying to work out what this God who speaks to them out of burning bushes, this God who rescues them out of Egypt, this God who sends the plague, they're still trying to work out what this God's character is like. This is the God who comes down with fire on the mountain. This is the guy who smoke billows out from Mount Sinai and fire comes down. It's powerful. The people wouldn't even go near the mountain in case they died. And yet Moses is pushing into something here because they're convinced that beyond all of this outrageous acts of incredible power, there's something good about this God. And so he presses in and he says, you know, God, you can't do this. You brought your people out of Egypt. And, and so God, God doesn't. And, and then... And then God says, I just, I'm going to read a few verses just throughout this. Let's just start at the very, at the very start then in chapter 33. That, that was 32 really, which I was describing. And then 33, the Lord said to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your offspring I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out all the, all the ites. Yeah? In verse 3, Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you. Wow. 
go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you lest I consume you in the way for your stiff-necked people. So God is going to give them the promise without his presence. Seems strange that God would do that, but at this point in the story, it feels like he's going to. And then something really, really profound happens. I think we get a window into the heart of God. If you could imagine you were reading the Bible from the start, right? You, didn't have, you hadn't read it all, and you've, you've had glimpses of who this God is. We see something as we come to this part of the, of, of the story of God revealed in the Bible as we get to Exodus chapter 33. Because Moses then says, if we jump down to verse 12, let, let me just read this we pass the scripture and I'll, I'll start to unpack it Moses said to the Lord verse 12 see you said to me bring up this people but you have not let me know whom you will send with me yet you have said I know you by name and you have also found favor in my sight now therefore if I have found favor in your sight please show me now your ways please show me now your ways that I might know you in order to find favor in your sight consider too that this nation is your people and he, God, said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us from this place. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? Is it not that it's you, your presence, that's what makes us distinct? Different from all the other people, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do for you have found favor in my sight. And I know you by name. And Moses said, please show me your glory. <laughs> it's like Moses, like I've got God where he wants him, where I want him. Now God, now that you've promised me to do that, will you show me, will you show me your glory? In this moment, verse 13, Moses says, if I've found favor in your sight, please show me your ways. Moses has seen God's deeds. Moses has, has witnessed God's act. Acts, Moses has watched the plagues. The sea has opened up. The fire has come down in the mountain. All these incredible acts of power. But then he says, God, I want something beyond your deeds. I want your ways. I don't just want the works of your hand. I want to see your face. I want to move beyond just what you're going to do for me. And I want to connect with your heart. Please show me your ways. <clears throat> And something happens in this very prayer that Moses prays. Something happens in this point because God replies and he sees the ways of God because as soon as he asks God for this, God's reply is, okay, Moses, my presence will go with you. I was going to let you go into the promised land and not go with you. I'll give you an angel, but I'm not going. And Moses says, no, God. No, God, we, the promise doesn't matter if it's not your presence. Because we don't want the promise without your presence. Moses, it's almost like, as I say, he's got God where he wants him. And he says, God, he, Moses goes even further. He doesn't even just leave it when God says, okay, I'll go with you. Moses says, no, God, it's not even a matter of just you telling us that you will go with us. I'm telling, to you, I'm telling you that we won't go anywhere unless you come with us. Because the presence is the point. It's you that's the point. It's your presence that makes us distinct, God. And so we don't want the works of your hands if we don't have your face. God, we just don't want handouts of what you're going to give us if we don't know your heart. God, we want something of your ways. We don't want the promise without the presence. And I love the boldness and the audaciousness of Moses. This God who has revealed himself as the most powerful, 
God and all the earth. He's, um, he, he, he's beaten all the other gods hand down. All the, all the gods of the pharaohs have had to buy at the power and the might of this God to the point where the people are almost like, who is this God? Who is this Yahweh? And Moses pushes right in and he says, no, but there's something good about this God. I want to know his heart. I want to know his ways. And God, if you don't go, we're not going. We don't want to just have the signs of success. We just don't want to tick the boxes of the church's strategic aims and make ourselves feel good. We don't want to just have a plan that impresses everybody. God, we want you. We want you. Because that's what makes us distinct. That's what makes us distinct. Because we apply it to our lives. There's nothing really, it's a bunch of human beings. We're not really that much different than the people that live in the homes beside us, our neighbors, people we play sport with, work with. We're not really, there's nothing more special to give than them. We're part of the same stuff. We're made of the dust. And yet, what makes us distinct it's Jesus, isn't it? It's just Him. It's just His presence within us. And, you know, sometimes we talk about being in God's presence and being undone. Right? Like undone in God's presence, and that's a beautiful place to be. But I think at this part of the Bible, I think God is undone. <laughs> I think God is just like, wow, this is my son, and he's got it. This is all that I've ever wanted. This is all that I've ever wanted. I just wanted to be with my people. I've wanted them to know my ways. I've wanted to connect with the deep places of their heart. I've wanted them to know my heart. I've wanted to share in the intimacy that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I've, I've wanted them to be included in that depth of love and relationship. And, and so when I, my son comes to me and says, God, I don't really want anything else other than you. God, I think God is undone. It's like you've pressed a button deep in the heart of God, the Father. And he's like, wow. And I have this, as I pondered over this over the last few months, this passage of Scripture, I have this sense, no chapter or verse for this, but I have a sense that all of heaven probably just hushed in that moment. And all the angels kind of looked over heaven. And they were like, this kid, this son, he's, he's really caught God's heart now. Look how much the Father is involved here look how much his heart is engaged as his son as moses articulates in prayer the very heart of the story encounter moses prays to know the ways of god and immediately it's answered you know the interesting thing about the word presence in the hebrew in the old testament uh, in the hebrew language is <clears throat> when they talk about your presence going with us the word for presence is face and on most occasions in the Hebrew, the face of God was, was synonymous with the presence of God. Uh, Jürgen Moltmann says, The face of God is a symbol for God's commitment. The attention with which he looks at us, his very special presence. I love that. I love that the, most, the metaphor that's used to describe God's presence in the Bible is his face. It's not a theory. It's not a doctrine just. It's more than all of that. It's his face. When God talks about his presence, he's talking about his, 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 his face. It's not some vague theoretical awareness of who he is. The, it couldn't be any more personal, sure it couldn't. It couldn't be any more intimate. And uh, I just, as I'm thinking about this morning, I just wonder is in this journey that you guys are on, which is really exciting, I just wonder is this a, is this a period as decisions are made and as a leadership prayer that for you as a whole community, individually and corporately, to lean into the ways lean into the ways of God, to, to press into his heart, to, to 
be hungry for more than just information, but to be hungry for revelation of who God is and what he wants to do in the community around you. Just, just to turn your face again, almost a little maybe posture change for some of us. Like we always have to remind ourselves of posture change to look into the face of God. Uh, our, our two girls are with us today. Um, and uh, it's, it's uh, Annie uh, is uh, nearly four. And uh, she, uh, Rachel, has left them in Christ, so hopefully they're not wrecking the place. Um, <laughs> uh, and Annie, uh, a wee while ago, she she was getting in the bed beside us. Thankfully, um, we're getting a bit more sleep at the minute. But a while ago, she was just getting in the middle of the night, and she would get in beside us, and uh, she would turn her. Uh, I was like sleeping, and she'd get in and push over, and like Rachel and I, or you know, you know, if you've been there, we're in a little part of the bed, you know, and. She sprawled out or whatever, you know, doing, just making herself comfortable. And she, she had this thing at the time, whereas because I, I was nearly laying out the edge, <laughs> we'd put her in between us, and then I would turn my back so I could try and get some sleep. And she would do this thing where as I would, like, go, like I just feel this big hand just coming on my face like this. And she'd just pull it right back like this. And, like, she'd put her head right in into my head and... It was kind of it was kind of cute and cuddly and all of that, but you know, at three o'clock in the morning, you'd just be like, "Oh, that's lovely, dear," and then you would just turn, you'd turn back to get some more sleep, and then before you knew it, you think she was sleeping, you just feel a big hand <laughs> come around your face and just pull it right back into hers. And sometimes I just wonder, is 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 God trying to get our attention a little bit and just put His hand gently, maybe not like Annie, kind of roughly and all of that, but maybe gently just putting our hands in her face and just causing us just to just to turn our face towards Him. To, to not necessarily be distracted with all the things that are going around us, some of which are, are you know, incredibly difficult things maybe going on in our lives, but even in the midst of that, to try and just gaze on his face and know his, his ways. There's something about the face, isn't there, of, as human beings, there's something about the face. Most of the senses are found in the face. It reveals something. And we can only fully enjoy God's inheritance that he has for us. This is, this is, this is what I think is quite maybe pertinent for you this morning, hopefully is that Moses knew that there was destiny wrapped up in the promises of God, but he knew that it would not be unraveled unless he had the presence. And so it goes without saying that there's destiny and inheritance with God. You know, we could talk all day about the theme of, in, of inheritance, but there's always the inheritance and destiny with God. He shaped us in his mother's womb. All our days are packed with potential. He knows every one of them. He wants to lead us into the promised land. He wants us to fulfill all the dreams. There's favor that is towards us. That's beyond what we could ever imagine for us to walk an increasing level of favors into all that God wants us to be. That's all a given. But the reality is we can't actually unlock that fully. We can't know and come, become fully alive in that until we know God's ways. And so don't be fooled into thinking sometimes that just if we, are we just supposed to pray all the time? Because the thing about, or, or does this like mean we're not supposed to do anything? Intimacy will always lead to involvement, but it'll lead you to the right kind of involvement. It'll lead you, because when you get God's heart, you can't not move. When you get God's ways, you can't not move into what God's heart is. And God's heart is for the poor and the broken and the lost and the people in our communities that right this morning are literally dying inside. And, and God's heart is for them. But as we get his ways, and they're hungry for revelation, they're not hungry for information. They're hungry for revelation. And they're hungry for supernatural revelation. And it doesn't need to be, when I say supernatural, it's super, it's natural. Yeah? 
and, and, and they're, but they're hungry for that level of revelation from God. And, and there's something about though, us posturing ourselves in a way as a people of God. I think in these days, all around us, we're seeing the world change and frantically all around us. As Christians, you know, we need to learn a new way of speaking, a new language at times. We need to do it with grace and humility, but with confidence in who Christ says that we are. And so we need a revelation from God for this day in which we live. Karen mentioned earlier, you know, not, not to live off past ways of doing things, all of that kind of stuff. Some of that has been great. Some of that has been helpful to get us where we are now, but we, we, we press on. We move further into who God is. But the only way we can do that with confidence is the revelation that comes from God from leaning into his ways. I've been really challenged by the letters to um, uh, Revel- churches in Revelation, Ephesians, uh, sorry, the church in Ephesus, uh, Jesus said, you know, I have this against you. You know, you've, you've good theology, you're patient, you're enduring, you're not grown weary, but I have this against you, you've, you've left your first love. This was a church that sound. <laughs> they were sound. You know the way we like to say that in Northern Ireland? Sound, they're sound. Sound boy. Sound church. They were sound. But did, I have this against you. You've lost your first love. You see, this is a massive challenge to me. They were good workers, but they were poor lovers. And, and Jesus was looking people who would love him and who would press in and lean into his ways. Because encounter will bring revelation. And Moses, I think, teaches us something here because then Moses says, God, show me your glory. And God's glory... God says, well, you, you can't see my face in heaven. I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock and I'm going to pass by. And in Exodus chapter 34, God comes and he reveals his glory as his character. And so we see, as we lean into the ways of God and we see his glory, you know, sometimes people get caught up with like the glory cloud and all sorts of crazy stuff going on. And I'm, I'm personally okay with that when it happens. Bring it on. If, it, if it's of God, yes. But ultimately God's glory is God's character. Because God says in Exodus chapter 34, he says, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, keeping steadfast love for thousands of generations, forgiving iniquity and sin. And so we get a revelation of who God is and his character. We get more an understanding of God's goodness, of who he is, this powerful, almighty, all-knowing God. We get a revelation of who he is as a good father keeps steadfast love slow to anger because somebody lent into the ways of god because moses is prepared to go right and drive right in and you see we as we as we read on through the story we realize that moses got the answer to his prayer psalm 103 tells us that the lord made known his ways to the children of israel but his day his ways to moses but his deeds to the children of israel the children of israel got to see the acts and the deeds of god moses got to know his ways so and, and the question to us is, what are we hungry for? Are we, are we happy just when God does good things for us? Because when good things don't happen to us, it sort of throws our understanding of God all over the place, doesn't it? And that's something that I've had to journey through in my life. that has caused me, caused me all sorts of questions. That, and, and there's permission to ask all those kind of questions. But within it, just reinforcing that God's goodness is beyond my circumstances. God's goodness is revealed in his character. And that's what I want to trust in. And when we lean into that, we get revelation of who God is. And that revelation spills out into the people that live around us. There's a danger in the church that we, we look for the deeds and we miss his ways. 
See, everybody else gets to see Rachel's deeds and acts, my, my wife's deeds and acts. I get to know her ways. It's a different thing altogether. And, and God wants us to know his ways. He's the God of mysteries beyond us. But there's a verse in the Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 29, 29, easy one to remember, 29, 29. And it says, the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that are revealed belong to us and his children forever. It's a powerful verse. The secret things belong to the Lord. But the things that are revealed belong to us and, and our children forever. The things that God reveals to us, we uh, belong to us. They become part of our heritage and our legacy. And our children get to live into the reality of them. And I think there's a, there's a call for fresh revelation. This world isn't looking just information. This world is looking revelation of who God is and his very heart. And God invites us into that. He's the God of mystery and beyond us. His thoughts are way above our thoughts. His ways are way beyond our ways. But equally, he's a God who wants to be known. And you have to hold both of those equally as strongly. We, we, we don't know all his ways, and yet he wants us to press in to know his ways. And, and we hold those tightly, both of those things, because God is a God who wants to be known. It's who he is. It's his very essence. And, and Jesus invites us. Uh, I could talk, uh, I, I won't, but I could talk loads throughout, throughout Jesus' life. It was like God that the love the, the Father has, what the Father, um, the, all that I have, the Father has given to me, and the Holy Spirit's coming to make it known to you. <laughs> and then he, he prays in John 17 that God, the, the, the Father, the love that we have, that that same love would be in them. <laughs> so, somehow it's all, it's all like we all get wrapped in in the love of the Trinity. Paul says, I have died with Christ in my life, is hidden with Christ in God. It's like we get wrapped up in the love of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as we press in and lean into his ways. And God encourages us into that. And, and I just think that throughout, throughout the Bible, that we're encouraged to do that. Jesus, without me, you can do nothing. We have a little saying, 24-7 stuff, you know, anything not born in prayer is usually born in pride. And so we, we just try and work out how, and we're a bunch of messages like this, I even find it ironic that I, that, that I give them because I'm, I'm much more of an, an activist. I, I want to be doing things. You know, I want to be changing the world. But I've come, I've come to realize that without Jesus, I can do nothing. And it's... It's him that has to build a house. And I've trusted that when I lean into his ways, he reveals his ways to me for this time, for this season, for the community that I live in, for the people that live in my streets. And as I seek his ways for my town, Lurgan, for this nation, Ireland, for the things that I feel God has called me to, he reveals his ways. And, and, and that's usually, well, it's not usually, it's always much more powerful than my good ideas. And, and so uh, I just want to encourage you and, uh, as you go forward as a community here. And all that God's doing, I sense God amongst you. Uh, I, 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 I want to encourage you to lean into him. I just feel like, uh, even as Andy shared and as we prayed there, I just felt like God's saying, just to, to, he's a good father. He's good plans. He's good plans. And he's good plans not just for you, but for this area and for where you find yourself every day. He's good plans and to lean in with faith that he wants to reveal more of those ways to your heart, more revelation, so that he can come amongst you. You know, it's, it's easy to want to run and, and build. In uh, Matthew chapter 17, when Jesus takes James and Peter and John up 
to the mountain and Jesus had transfigured this powerful kind of revelation of who God is and who Jesus is really as the Son of God. You get this revelation, Elijah and Moses come and they all have this wee conversation and it all, Peter's like, oh, they've had revelation. There's Jesus and here's Elijah, the epitome of the prophetic tradition and here's Moses, the epitome of the Torah and the law and they're all standing talking to Jesus and Peter's like, let me build. Let me build tabernacles. And God says, no, you will worship. This is my son. This is my son. This is my beloved son. Hear him. In fact, God really rebuked me about this about two weeks ago when I was driving the car. It's like, Alan, how quickly you say, you will build, when I say, no, you will worship. The vision is Jesus. It's undeniably Jesus. And it's just gazing upon him, keeping a high view of God on our minds, allowing the Holy Spirit to bring more revelation of the grace and the beauty and the wonder and the wildness of who Jesus is. And as he does that, he will propel us into mission. He will propel us into the places where he has found and will find them, as he told us, amongst the poor and the broken and the lost, captives, the ones that need, set free, the hungry, the oppressed. That's where, that's where we'll find it. But you know something? All of those things I've described, sometimes they exist within us. There's lostness, there's poverty of spirit, there's brokenness, there's all of those things. And as God just lavishes his love upon you guys as a community, just receive that from the Father, lean into his ways, let him heal what needs healed, let him restore what needs restored, and allow that to overflow then as he takes you forward, following in his ways into all that, uh, all that he has for you, because beyond what you can imagine, it's far better than what you could even think. God's favor will take you places your own ambitions can't. And uh, you just have to trust that, though. <laughs> that's the hard part. It's kind of easy, but it's hard, yeah? And, uh, and that's what I'd love to encourage you with today, so that we'd hunger after the ways of God. Can I pray for you? Is that all right? And then we're hand back to Andy. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of soundness of mind. And God, I, I just want to pray, Lord, today that, um, Lord, for this uh, uh, church, Lord, this uh, community of people, uh, just uh, trying to discern how you're leading them and where you're taking them. God, I, I want to thank you that you're a good father. And I want to thank you for the confidence we have that you are the God who you're the God who is uh, steadfast in love from generation to generation. You're slow to anger, but you're abounding. You're abounding in love. God, I thank you that you take us from one degree of glory to another. I thank you that there's always more. There's always more with you. And, uh, and so, Father, I, I just want to pray, God, even now, God, for Lord, any ungodly, unhealthy uh, fear, God, that would prevent us from moving on in you individually or even together. God, I just want to break that off. Um, people's lives today in Jesus' name. Father, God, I pray you'd lift that off, God. Lift off any kind of oppressive kind of fear. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would uh, just uh, break, break the hold of that in Jesus' name. And God, I pray that you would release people into the fullness, God, both individually and together, into the fullness of all that you have for them. God, I pray that your, your love, Lord, would, uh, would uh, penetrate just the deepest places, God. And uh, would uh, of hearts and souls and lives, God, and uh, set people free 
Lord, today. And God, I, I pray that, Mo, like, like, like Moses, God, we would uh, we just have a hunger to know your ways, God. Lord, our, our heart's desire is, if you don't go, we don't want to go. Uh, our heart's desire is, God, we don't want the promise without the presence, because it's the presence that makes us distinct. It's the presence that sets us, sets us apart. It's you, Jesus. And so, Father, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what he's done for us on the cross, for his victory and the resurrection. Thank you that it means that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in us. Thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness of sins. And Lord, how when we say yes to you and, and no, no to sin, Lord, you, you, uh, you lead us into that, Lord, uh, just uh, glorious inheritance, oh God. And I, I pray, Father, for eyes to see, uh, spiritual eyes to be opened, God, the eyes of our heart to be enlightened, that we might know what is the hope of the calling that you have for this, the riches of your glory uh, in the saints, Lord. Uh, in, in this place. So Lord, we pray that you seal your word to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks very much for having us. Great for Rachel and I and the girls to be here and we, we'll be praying for you as you go forward. So thank you.